Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to IWSCC's podcast. Uh, my name is Deidre Guy, and I am the proud uh, founder and president of the Inclusive Workplace and Supply Council of Canada. Uh, we work to support veteran and disabled-owned businesses here in Canada. Uh, so welcome to our podcast. Our uh, show today is produced by Pod Supply. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see we have ASL interpretation, and that is provided by Maple Communications Canada. But with the sponsorship of RBC, so RBC is IWSCC's 2023 ASL leader for the year. So we're so thankful for them to helping to help cover our ASL costs for the year. I'm super excited uh, today to have Jolene McDonald, uh, Pamela Shane House, and Michelle. O'Quang, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but you can correct me if it's not the case, Michelle. Um, so these uh, folks are uh, fantastic humans that I have the privilege of knowing. They are certified uh, suppliers with IWSCC. And so we're just here today to talk about women entrepreneurship. We're talking about uh, uh, entrepreneurship within the disability community and so much more. So thank you all of you uh, for being here. If you could just take a moment uh, and we'll start with Jolene to introduce yourself and just tell us what you do this is an opportunity to pitch your business so go for it no pressure right Deidre thank yeah, you yeah. so much <laughs> very delighted to be here on somebody else's podcast and doing my own uh, my name is Jolie McDonald I'm the founder of Accessibrand we are an accessibility focused design marketing communications agency which we are essentially a one-stop shop for all digital accessibility and uh, we are also a team of all people with lived disability experience Thank you, Jolene. All right, Pam. Hi, good morning. Um, pleasure to uh, meet you, Michelle. Jolene, I know, but I don't think I've had the privilege of meeting Michelle, so it's a privilege to, to meet you. I am Pam Shanehouse, and I am the president and founder of the Shanehouse Group, which is a division of Alley Style Incorporated. And the work that we do is we are specialists in the field of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, even though I'm hoping to change the, the word B in that into A for accessibility. And we work with companies to get them to understand the critical importance of, of integrating DEI and accessibility into their corporate culture. Thank you, Pam. And Michelle. Good morning, everyone. Great to meet all of you. I've met Deidre before, but great to meet the rest of you and thank you for letting me be here. So I'm Michelle O'Coin. You said the French pronunciation correctly, so <laughs> I'm not French. I married into French, but my husband okay. is English. Okay, O'Coin, so, thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Um, so I'm based in Nova Scotia, but we see clients across Canada, and my service is Learnability Educational Solutions. And so we focus on the education side of things. So primarily, but not exclusively, we work with a lot of students, whether they're children or adults who have learning disabilities, um, attention deficit disorder, or fall under the category or that new umbrella, um, the term that we're all using a little more, and that's not neurodiversity. Um, so we do everything from educational support, um, tutoring, transitioning, and then workplace education, workplace supports, um, helping people, for example, who have maybe learning disabilities try to adapt to the record, you know, the requirements of their job. So, mm -hmm. and, um, and then one more very important thing that we do is we do a lot of speaking and mindset work around helping people understand, um, what it is that individuals with disabilities might need on the job or individuals who may present as having 
you know, difficulties on the job um, that may need assistance without disclosing that they actually have a disability. So it's all from an education perspective. That's that's essentially what we do. I love that you use the word mindset. Uh, I had someone correct me in a meeting about three months ago, and I'm really glad they did. Uh, I had used the word lens, looking at things with a different lens. And he yeah. said, lenses can be easily removed. It's mindset that's important. And I thought, yeah, that absolutely, absolutely. makes sense. So I, I do my best to stop using lens. Sometimes it is actually applicable, but for the most part, you should be using mindset. Okay, so Michelle O'Coin, if you can carry on and tell us how long have you been doing this and, and how did you get started? with learnability? Um, so this dates me. I've been doing it for 27, almost 28 years. Mm -hmm. um, my company has been in operation, very excited because our company has been in operation now for almost 18 years, um, which, and it continues to grow, which just continues to, you know, point out the need for students and adults, you know, who need um, supports, especially when we learn more about educational literacy and how those areas are dropping um, in terms of levels. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, so it's why I stay in the field. Um, and I fell into it, to be perfectly honest. Um, I did communications, master's of education, but I worked with a company in Halifax many years ago and they were doing some very interesting remediation kinds of techniques with students who were diagnosed with learning disabilities. And I just knew, like, this is what I want to do. I want to work in a one-on-one -on -one capacity. I want to see kids who are struggling um, and adults who are struggling, you know, within education or within the workplace, get the kinds of supports that they need. Um, and I've just been there ever since. Love it. Absolutely love Fantastic. it. Pam, yes, how long have you been doing what you do and, and how did you get started? Well, I've got a little bit more of a longer uh, journey and I want to congratulate you, Michelle. That is really pretty special, the work that you do. I'm in awe of people who can do that kind of work. The work that I do, I actually started in the field of professional fundraising years ago. Um, and when I left the field, although I haven't left it because I'm still a president of a charity for young adults with cancer, called Ali's Journey, the work that I had done, I'd raised about $45 million. But at that time, my daughter, who passed away in 2006, there was a void in the market and we moved into in the fashion market. So this person who didn't know a damn thing about how to do a fashion brand started a fashion brand for size diverse for, with regard to having a brand that supports all people. And um, we were very successful. I had to put it on a back burner for now, which is why the Shane House Group is a division of this company. But the Shane House Group has only been around, uh, you know, we started it in this fabulous time pre-COVID, mm. which is not the time to start for some people. You know, if you're in a PPE world, that's a good time to start a company. But for people who Different are consultants, story, yeah. not so hot. So, um, so it's about three years four years, but things and things have been quiet, but they're really getting a lot better now. I find that that the world of DEI has been going up and down, just like the world of fashion, you know, fashion size, size diversity. And we were the first ones to ever start a fashion brand like that. It was sustainable and it was size diverse in Canada. 
So, you know, it was, you know, when we were the first to ever do Toronto Fashion Week as a, as a show. And as it happens, here's the plug. We are on YouTube. If you want to see Ali style in October 12th, you'll see the, you'll see the, the fashion show. We're still there. Yeah. It's it's very cool. Jolene. Uh, let us uh, share with us. I I know if I recall correctly, you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur as well. So, um, how long have you been doing this work with Accessibrand and what sort of led you to it? That's funny you say serial entrepreneur. So yes, I have been self-employed pretty much for 20 years. This is my second full-time venture. Um, I started out, I'm a graphic designer. Uh, I graduated in the late nineties. So there you go at aging myself. But when my, I have three kids and when my youngest daughter was born, she's 12 this year. She was born with a rare form of dwarfism. And so my life became surrounded by, you know, advocacy and and for her education, for her physical needs. But I was in the middle of this sort of not-for-profit 24-hour thing called Create-A-Thon. So I met a client uh, who was in a wheelchair and we were talking about, um, you know, digital marketing and communications. And he was the one that said, you know, that, you know, people with disabilities really don't have actual access to information, especially people who are blind. They can't use websites. And as a designer, and I've been in the field for a long time already at that point, probably 15 years, the light bulb went off and I went, oh, like we have to do this. So with my other company, it was a design agency. I tried to push for, you know, integrating accessibility, but clients didn't mm-hmm. have to comply, you know, quote unquote, mm-hmm. by the law. So we were adding it on as a feature and that gave people the choice to not have their materials and their designs accessible. So Lo and behold, I got sick. Um, I was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos, which is connective tissue disorder about six years ago. And um, my life kind of fell apart. I couldn't do all the things. I was too sick. I had three kids. And so I decided to leave. I partnered out. I tried working for someone else for a year, but it really wasn't my passion. And so I registered Accessibrand in about 2017, I think it was. And then uh, just did freelance. And then when COVID hit, I was really excited to be accepted into Conestoga College's Venture Lab, and they helped me relaunch it in 2020, and that's how we became today. Uh, It was really a matter of trying to make creatives look at changing their processes. We can make everything accessible and inclusive if we do it while we're doing the process, rather than how it's done right now is we're trying to fix it later, and then it's an add-on and it's extra fees. Um, and then I wanted to provide work opportunities for other people that needed flexible work that have been impacted by disability. So that's really how it all started. So everything totally led by passion by all three of you. And and frankly, that's kind of how it is with IWSCC. I just kind of stumbled across this need and went, okay, this is something that needs to be done. And I think that's, you know, I think it's, um, a sort of a common thread with all entrepreneurs and and in particular in my experience with with women entrepreneurs so i congratulate you all for for doing such amazing stuff you. and your stick-to-itiveness which is a word i love to use i i like yeah. that where you you know that bounce back ability where things happen and still you're here and still you're working away and, and i just think that's you know the epitome of an entrepreneur so now, can um, i just put in one do- thing Deidre? i think the reason that the sure. three of us work work and the way we're working is because as an entrepreneur, we get along with our bosses really, really well. <laughs> they don't argue with us. I always say when you when you work for yourself, you can fire yourself on Friday and hire yourself on Monday, on Monday morning. I get along know? with my boss. I've always worked for myself. And I think that yeah. that is one thing that, that I so respect in the two of you. Or the three of you. Sorry, so I, you're, you're in there. <laughs> 
So I wanted to just take a moment to understand and hear from you what led you to join IWSCC and, um, you know, what's your experience been like? What sort of keeps you here? So I know, Jolene, you've, I think you're out of the three suppliers here, or three of you here, I think you were the, among the first to get certified with IWSCC and then Pam and with Michelle being the most recent. But I'm just curious, and I think others might want to know and understand the thought process for, for what led you to this certification in IWSCC. Did you want me to go first then, David? Sure, yeah, yeah. So it was actually through someone else that I knew that had a disabled-owned business, but they were very small and part-time, and they said, you know, they weren't in the capacity to do so, but I should look into it. So I did, and I reached out to you, and I'm like, yeah, like, this would be a great opportunity because of all of the the pieces that, you know, IWSCC represents, and the fact that DE&I is so big a part of so many corporations why wouldn't I try? I had nothing to lose. And I've been really grateful. So I think it's two years now. I think this is I think so. Two and a yeah. half, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And so what keeps you here after all that time? Oh, well, I'd like to say you, but it's, you know, all, <laughs> all of the people. I think the support has been amazing. Uh, some of the great opportunities that I don't think I would have had because you know, when you're going through a lot of red tape with corporations and things like that, it's very difficult mm -hmm. with other business. We did a lot of tenders, RFPs, and you, you're you in such a big pool. This eliminates that. It, it narrowed out that pool a little bit more. So I think we get a few more opportunities that we may not have otherwise. So, you know, everyone can turn a disability into a negative. But I turn them all into positives because I think at the end of the day, we all benefit from it. And that's, I think, and the, the connections have just been awesome. Beautiful. Michelle, as the newest. As the newest. Uh, there were, so I'm, I'm also relatively um, a new weeby as well. So, you know, supplier diversity oh. is kind of a, a new term to me. And, you know, the more you become, you know, you surround yourself with people who are in, you know, this supplier diversity arena, the more you realize how important it is. And so when I discovered the IWSCC, were, you know, a number of women in my life through Weeby who said, I think this might be for you. Um, I couldn't agree more. And, and so there's, there are kind of a few, I was thinking about this when I was reading the question last night and I thought, okay, number one, I think as a business owner who has a learn, has a disability, my disability is epilepsy. And it's a disability that is not discussed. I, in, in my experience, it, it isn't something that's discussed as much as some other disabilities. We call it mm -hmm. a very hidden disability. Um, I thought this is a great way for me to kind of advocate a little more for epilepsy. At the same mm -hmm. time, it's a really great way for me to connect with people who have learning disabilities and ADHD, that kind of thing. So I can bring back information to the people that I work with, my students, my colleagues. Um, and then at the same time, it, you know, it gives me a position to be able to access services and colleagues and information um, who, you know, who are in the same situ situation that I'm in, being an individual with a disability, running a business. And, you know, I always say with a hidden disability, there are so many things that you have to do in order to be able to, um, I don't want to say survive it, but cope that people don't realize that you do, mm. um, that I do on a daily basis. I know my husband knows the things that I do on a daily basis to mm -hmm. accommodate myself. Um, but otherwise, you know, friends and family who don't live with me 
don't necessarily know what I have to do. Um, so when you get into something like this, where you're able to connect with other people who may have those similar experiences, man, it just kind of opens your mind and you feel, I really, you know, even only being, you know, involved, sorry, <clears throat> in a very short amount of time, just reading the literature and connecting even this week. Um, it's just been, it's been helpful. Um, and again, you know, just like Jolene said, putting ourselves in a position where we have that access, you mm -hmm. know, as far as supplier diversity is tremendous, I think. Yeah, that's actually what led me to supplier diversity is in general, I worked for a women owned company at the time. And I, I went into a, my very first event was a, a CAMSI matchmaking event. And I was just blown away by the network. I'm like, holy crap, how do you get to the, the you know, the purchasing decision makers from these huge corporations ordinarily, like I, I'd be standing out outside of a TD bank, you know, knocking on the door, cut. like, how do you get to these people? So I was just blown away by that. So I totally agree. Pam, what's, uh, what led you to IWSCC? What keeps you here? Uh, well, you know what, as Jolene said, it's definitely you. <laughs> this, I was not fishing for this, by the way, with this question. No I <laughs> um, anyway, I too have an invisible disease. I was born with a bone disease uh, and it was diagnosed at the age of five, which is <coughs> a long time ago. We're hitting a big number this year, but whoa. Anyway, that's another story. Um, and it was a disease that very few people knew about including my parents. And they, and so it was living with that. I had surgery every single year of my, my, my young life. And, but I kept it to myself a lot because it was invisible. I didn't think I used it more of an albatross than I have as, as so much more now being a part of this organization. So people like us can work with others and, and understand the issues. For example, I was in a um, Indigo and my walker, I walk with a walker most times and my walker couldn't get through the, the, the tables. And I'm sitting here going, you know what? I bring a manager over and what's he doing? He's pulling tables every place I want to go. <laughs> I, said, I said, this is a little ridiculous. Because yeah. the truth of the matter, it happens fashion, it happens everywhere. The yeah. truth of the matter yes. is that my money looks exactly like an able-bodied body, able person. It is no different. My ability to buy things, my ability to, to require things is no different than anybody else, and we should be treated accordingly. So that's why, excuse me, I work with companies to show them the how they're excuse me, screwing up where they think they're accessible. Yeah. And I can't even get it into the building. Really the elevator's broken. <laughs> yeah. Or something. Yeah. So, it's so that okay. actually leads me to our next uh, question. Thank you, Pam. Um, and it's something that just pisses me off in this industry, in the, in the entrepreneurship ecosystem. And that is all the myths about people who, have disabilities, not just entrepreneurs, but folks in general, those of us with disabilities. But I know that there are myths surrounding uh, entrepreneurs with disabilities, which is one of the reasons why folks with disabilities don't necessarily disclose they have a disability when they're talking about their business world. It's it's not, as Jolene said, it, you know, she's turned her disability into a positive and, and not everybody is comfortable doing that because they don't have that opportunity. So, so what do you guys think? And this is just going to be more of like a, like a, 
uh, 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 what do you call it when you ask a lot of questions quickly? Rapid fire, rapid fire type of circumstance in this terms of your answers. But I would love to know, uh, what do you guys think about the this sort of myth that we run into in, as an organization that people with disabilities and entrepreneurs with disabilities are unreliable? What are your first thoughts on that one? BS. I said we're not going to swear, but I'm, <laughs> I'll use the acronym. Before I did. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Um, yeah. I think it's the stigma that society has placed on disability or people with disabilities, and it's such a bad thing. It's the social versus the medical model. It's the, um, you know, use my daughter. Oh, my God, she's uh, doing this amazing stuff with her synchronized swimming. She's got all these gold medals. People are always going, oh, she's such an inspiration, and she's so courageous. And I, I looked at my daughter. She's almost 12. I said, do you think you're inspirational and courageous? She goes, <laughs> No, I just want to swim. And <laughs> she was courageous. Yeah, because I got to go out there in a bathing suit in front of 500 people. So like yeah. that's where, you know, the inspiration porn and like the media and we want to break those sort of stigmas. I think it's it's BS. Anyone can do anything if they're capable. Not everyone's suited to self-employment. It doesn't matter if you have a disability or not. But, you know, like there's opportunities out there and, you know, the, the statistics of people being disabled, underemployed is ridiculous because people have perceptions. And I had that perception before. I'm not going to lie. We all have these unconscious biases for all kinds of things. We just need to relearn it. Some people are too stubborn to do that. But the more we're loud and proud about it, the more we educate. So, Michelle, I saw your face sort of nodding with Jolene's BS comment. Do you have something real quick you can share about how you feel about people with disabilities are unreliable? Well, entrepreneurs I mean, with disabilities. I'll, t I'll tell you who I always think of. And I don't know if people know it or not. And he's very honest and, and open about it. But he writes better is Kevin O'Leary because mm -hmm. Kevin O'Leary has a learning disability. I didn't and if you read any of his yeah, so if you read his book, which I did, a really, really great book, and he talks about how it really kind of created ingenuity for him. And so if you want to look at somebody who started with a very small business, yeah. you know, and can they, you know, can this individual take off and, and you know, strive and, and create something, you know, big and, and be motivated. I mean, he's the perfect example to me of, you know, how you know, powerful and how strong and how motivated and creative even um, individuals with disabilities are. And so I, I think more than anything else, honestly, um, we're, when you, when you see an entrepreneur, for example, who has a disability, I, I almost think it's important for people to understand that they may work a lot harder than yeah. other people do to be able to achieve what they've achieved. So you can say it's an inspiration. I agree with Jolene. You don't, you know, I worked really hard to get where I am. It doesn't mean that I'm an inspiration, but it means that I, you know, I, I did have to work hard. I had to accommodate. And I think that, you know, what I think people need to look at it differently and say, it's, it's so amazing, you know, how much work people put into being an entrepreneur in the first place. Mm -hmm. So if you are an entrepreneur who has a disability you, and you've been successful, you know, these are people who work very hard. So they're going to create a good product. They're going to create a good service because they are, they've given it everything that they can. I love it. Okay, Pam, how do you feel about entrepreneurs with disabilities can't communicate effectively as a myth? 
Well, I, you know, me, I think that that is, again, we'll use Jolene's word, yes, <laughs> because I think that you have to be able to, first of all, recognize, especially if you're a disabled entrepreneur, you have to applaud yourself to be able to realize inside that, that you are capable. It took me a long time. It took me my daughter to sit in front of a, to pull me in front of a mirror to say, you're beautiful, you are smart, you are all these things. When all I did was take my disease and bring it down as, mm. as who I was as, as an entrepreneur. I am, I work for myself specifically because there are times that I have to rest. Mm -hmm. It's a little difficult if you are somebody who works in a nine to five or those type of jobs. When I was in fundraising, it was hard because I'd have to go and rest and, and people would not, you know, why the hell is she lying down or why didn't she come in today? It's yeah. it, when it's yeah. invisible, they don't, they don't get it. I was actually, and this has nothing to do with this. I was actually, I think I told you this, Deidre was coming out of a, um, I was going into a store and I parked in a handicapped spot and I didn't, didn't take my cane because I was feeling okay. And a man walks right by me and he says, Oh lady must be a mental handicap, right? Like what gives people the, the, the permission to even make a comment in the first place, right? It's that stigma. It's that Jolene, stigma. Yeah. You are in the field of communication. How do you respond to the myth that people, and in our case, entrepreneurs with disabilities won't be able to communicate effectively? I think it's, it's just that it's a myth. I think people have this bias that they've been ingrained for so many years of, you know, Oh my God, I'm stuttering because there's just so many things that I want to pull out. <laughs> like I've talked to so many people through our own podcast and, you know, back in the sixties and seventies and whatever, if you were born with a disability that you knew about, you were institutionalized. So that yeah. was society thinking, you know, people look at my daughter because she has dwarfism. They automatically think she has a developmental disability. So yeah. they talk to her differently. It is the unconscious bias that's been underlying throughout our society for so many years. Like, I, even for myself, it took two years for me to even admit I had a disability because I thought it was such a bad thing. And mm. it's, it's not. It just is. It's just that. So I think where anyone might think that we're unreliable or, or something negative of the sort, do we work differently? Sure. You may not like how we do things differently. Um, we try not to do rush jobs. We try not to, you know, work weekends. A typical agency, it, it's, it's burnout rate. We are all a team of people with disabilities and the work still gets done. It -hmm. just doesn't do it the way that they normally would do it. And I think that's another reason I'm self-employed. I do know that I likely have ADHD. Uh, My son was diagnosed and through that process, we found out I was. And that's another reason I couldn't work for someone else. Like (laughs) these are the things. And, but I think that they're superpowers. This is what makes us, you know, incredible entrepreneurs or agreed, you know, idea people. That's really, so no, I think it's I love that, Jolene. I am going to see myself as a superpower. (laughs) I I heard somewhere, I wish I could recall where uh, recently, uh, maybe a conference I was at or something, someone said, and I hope I get this correctly, but you are the only human on this planet qualified enough to be you. 
so it's important to you know, celebrate that. No one else could do what you do. No one else can be you. So you're pretty unique and you're the only one who can do it. And so that's pretty special. Michelle, I'm going to, I'm going to combine the next two questions. Um, I know that there are also perspectives out there that, that disabled owned businesses don't provide as, as good a product as other, uh, non-disabled businesses and that they're maybe too small to work with big businesses. You know, all disabled owned businesses are too small to do any work with big business. What would you say to those two uh, perspectives? And I call them myths because I know. <laughs> I think you, you know, you're as good as your team for starters and you, and it's like anybody else, whether you have a disability or you don't have a disability, mm-hmm. you surround yourself with a team of people. And I mean, initially I didn't have a team. I, there was me, you know, and I got to the point like anyone else, I grew my business and, you know, I have a team around me now that they compensate for the things that I don't do well. Um, so for example, we teach math. I can't teach math, but I have an incredibly <laughs> wonderful group of talented people. <laughs> high school math thankfully um so but you you know your own product you know your own service and when you're an entrepreneur and you you are building a business you decide what is it that i'm going to be able to do well and what do i need help with and if you are i don't care who you are if you own a business and you can recognize i'm not going to be able to do everything myself um, I'm going to need advice. I'm going to need to look into things like, um, I know for me, I used BDC here, not BD, well, BDC, but I also used Coastal Business years ago, who gave me training on how to, you know, develop, you know, business plans and that kind of thing. And like I said, it doesn't matter if you have a disability or you don't have a disability. All of us as entrepreneurs, you know, we're successful when we are honest about who we are and honest about what our business needs. Because, I mean, I, and the other side of that is there are so many people that have disabilities, hidden disabilities. Um, you know, it's, and, and because, like I said, we talk about neurodiversity so much now, even with mental health issues, there's so many business owners now um, that are, you know, coming out and, 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 stating that, you know, my whole life I had mental health issues. Well, that's also a disability. And so how many people out there actually are running businesses that do have some form of a disability? I think far more than we think, and they just don't disclose. So I think that there are a lot of very successful businesses out there that are run by very talented um, entrepreneurs that potentially, you know, they, they themselves have disabilities. In our experience, um, folks don't necessarily, when we say a disabled entrepreneur, they don't go to invisible or mental health disabilities. They don't, they don't go there. And, and so it's funny because I'll be talking to people, uh, you know, a possible service provider for us with no concept that they might have a disability and they don't have that either. But as we talk about what we do as an organization, they'll often say, well, you know, it turns out that I have, and then, you know, insert disability here. And then, you know, we, we just Discover we're actually talking to somebody that that could be certified with IWSCC. So, um, Jolene, Pam, real quick, do you have any thoughts on on those two myths about uh, uh, disabled-owned businesses being too small to work with large businesses or providing uh, a less um, a poorer quality product or service? Pam, anything? Real um, quick? Yeah, I have. I, well, I have quite a bit about that, but I'll only take one or two. One one real point. One or two points. I find that as a boutique firm, it is very difficult 
to get business from large from large corporations because they don't see you like they would as a McKinsey or any of these major things. But the difference about the kind of work that I do, and I would assume, or I don't like the word assume, but I would believe that the two of you provide the same kind of work is that you're getting us to do that work. We, I am the one who comes in and, and works on the, on the training. I'm the one who works on the policy. You, I don't find myself a junior and they do it. And then, you know, I show up and just present everybody else's work. And, and I find that with government or anything like that, I don't even bother looking anymore because I know for a fact they are not going to look at us, but me. They aren't. And, and that, that the amount of time that it took for me to, to put my name in for the government of Canada, I could have been trying to get other, other clients. It was impossible to get through all that rigmarole. So I do believe that that's what they think. And, and I think that it's up to us to make sure that they, um, that they stop thinking that way. You know, the truth of the matter is, guys, and let's be really honest, if somebody's, got a, if somebody's going for a job, and there are two people that have the same qualifications or very close to the same qualifications, but one is disabled and the other one, or my son calls me handy capable, one is disabled and the other one is not. Let's put a money bet on who's going to get this job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to change. Just because somebody's in a wheelchair doesn't mean that they can't do the kind of work that enable that a person who isn't in a wheelchair can't do. Exactly. Yeah. Julian, your thoughts. Can you repeat the question for me again? <laughs> just, to, <laughs> just your just your thoughts, and and you know, obviously, don't share any if you don't want to. But uh, on on the myths, the the the, the stigma surrounding um, business uh, disabled-owned businesses being too small to work with large organizations or providing a, a lesser quality product. I think that happens with uh, non-certified or non-disabled companies as well. Having yeah. been a partner in a company. Agreed before that we were very small we also went up against that so i think it's the stigma of you know just in general that bigger corporations think that smaller ones can't handle things um i i disagree it really depends on what type of project it is and how i think with our team we've already been proving that we're capable of another large agency plus having the added benefit of you know being accessible and inclusive you're going to garner more insight the fact that we can look at it from the other mindset, not the lens, that we are people with lived experience. So all of a sudden, you know, the 22, 25% of Canada that identify as having a disability, it's extra income. So I would just say no, like it, it is a myth. It's absolutely that. So it's a matter of us trying to all collectively preach it louder and, and teach, right? Yeah, educate. Speaking of which, Michelle, um, do you think that women and caregivers face unique challenges uh, in the entrepreneurial community? I see a, a change now. I know in our, our community here, I live in Cape Breton, so um, we have um, a woman mayor. We have um, our Chamber of Commerce is a woman. 
Um, I will shamelessly say that this year um, with our Chamber of Commerce Awards, the business person of the year, it was always a female a businesswoman um, of the year, business man of the year, and they combined it this year <clears throat> to make business person of the year. And I won. So, oh, <laughs> so the first time they have that, you know, wins, right? So yeah. um, I'm seeing a change. Now, if you talk to me 10 years ago, um, when I, you know, and as a business owner, it was different. It was, you know, I mean, to be perfectly honest, you saw more happening for white men than you did, you know, with other ethnicities, cultures, um, women, you know, anybody of diversity. It was, it was definitely um, in a different respect. And of course, even, you know, as a business owner, one of the things I learned as my, my son is 23 now, but people expected that I could be there on a, on a, at a moment's notice because I had a, had a business. And so I didn't have to work at a certain, like a nine to five, even though some days it's nine to nine. Um, but they just, you have flexibility and you can drop everything and you can do whatever because you're an entrepreneur. So it almost, it would feel like, you know, for a while, like they don't take you as seriously being an entrepreneur and a mother. So the mother part was supposed to come before the entrepreneur part. Um, so I always found that really interesting, but I like to think that, you know, the community in the world is, is, is changing the, you know, women are, are I, I like to, it seems like I said here in our community, at least that women are, are in better roles than they were in before. Um, because I can, I can see it. I, I know what it used to be like. Um, so there's definitely progress, you know, we'll, we'll see if it sustains, but. <laughs> and so what about then as an entrepreneur, a woman and having a disability, does that add another layer of unique challenges? Do you think? Definitely. Because I know I'll say this to you, as somebody who has a disability that's an at-risk disability, I would, um, for many years, it's only been the past few years that I've actually, you know, told people that I have epilepsy. So there's lots mm. of family and friends that knew my whole life. Um, but I was very careful about who I told because, and even in with my own business, because I was very afraid that people would say, I can't send my kids to her or I don't want to have her, you know, with my kids visiting her son because she could have a seizure. And mm. it happened. It happened mm. to me once um, with a client and, you know, a very supportive parent who just said, you know, my child just understood now and, and sees what a seizure is. And, you know, here, here's what it is. Good um, and interestingly enough, the child that I had a seizure in front of now works for us, which is very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> There's a very full circle thing there. But yeah. so when you're a mom and you're trying to balance this in your head, you know, it'd be like I had a seizure the day of my son's preschool graduation and never made it. So mm. when you're trying to, and it's, it's something in my head that has stayed with me forever. Like you're trying to balance all of these things. It is like I said, tremendously challenging because people don't know that this stuff is happening to you. Exactly. And then I, I, I wonder if that whole layer, now my kids are older, uh, 29 and 27, uh, almost 30. How does that even happen? But okay, it has sorry. anyway. I, I'm in 46 <laughs> and 40. 
<laughs> you do win, Pam. I win. Uh, so, uh, but we also have that guilt, right? Even with older children, yeah. we have that kind of guilt that we're not doing enough for them. So, Pam, what about you? What are, What are those unique challenges that you face as a as a woman entrepreneur and as a disabled entrepreneur? Again, a couple of them. I think Michelle outlined it. Um, I have a sister who has epilepsy, so I I, I understand what you're going through. And, and I don't understand. I, I see it. I don't even, I'm acknowledge it. Maybe that's the better word because I sure as hell don't understand it. So I take that back. I apologize for that. But the truth is that I think women are always going to have these barriers. And I think that the disabled are always going to have these barriers. But the truth of them, but to me, as long as you believe in yourself and you believe in your own abilities to succeed, you will you will not care about the barriers. You will just blow through them. It, you know, I have an arm that looks different. That's one of the, the symptoms of my disease. And I can't tell you what it was like to, to hide it all the time. Because mm. I didn't want anybody to see it. I always thought, there would be a man who would never love me because I'm disabled. All of this, and I'm going to say bullshit, sorry, because yes, not, I no do problem. not want to, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. But that was bullshit that was inside my brain. People who know me never even thought I had a disease, except my, my, mm. my close friends. The people who meet right. me had no, had no clue. Yeah. They don't see my elbow yeah. being, they have no clue. So I believe that, yes, it's more difficult as a woman, and I do see things happening, but I also, I also see it taking 10 steps back. Like I can give you a fashion example right now is that we actually thought in Fashion Week, in all the Fashion Weeks, from Paris, London, Milan, and New York, that, that the um, plus-size model would be on the runway. Well, you know what? Out of 2,700 models, 31 were plus size. Hmm. So steps back. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so now I'm pushing again. It's like you, you, I think you take three steps forward and two steps back and three steps forward and two steps back. But as a disabled yeah. woman, I am embracing who I am. I'm very open about who I am. And even when I when I'm presenting to to potential clients, I tell them why they need to hire me because I understand the world of accessibility better than hiring somebody else who doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. And I and I'm proud of myself when it comes to I I I can't believe I'm saying this because it's tough to be proud and I apologize for interrupting here, but you have but I'm proud of how much I have moved forward in this world. Well, good for you. And I love to hear women say that about themselves, because we're not very good in many cases at, at touting our own horns. You know, we've been told, especially women of a certain age, have been told most of our lives that, you know, don't, don't, you know, pride goeth before a fall, don't be too proud, you know, don't blow your own horn. And, uh, and so people don't do that. And I think as women, we should, as humans, we should, and, and as women, we definitely should, because it, 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 you know, helps us on a daily basis to be able to 
boast, you know, in, in one of my circles of friends, we call it crowing, you know, so crowing about ourselves and what we've done. Jolene, um, what do you think about as a caregiver, uh, as a as a woman, a mother, to, uh, caring for a child with a disability and also an entrepreneur and having your own disability? What are those unique challenges you've discovered? It's probably more difficult than anyone will ever face to have that much responsibility on you. And everyone keeps telling me, well, you need to find something for yourself, you know, to find that joy when you're working all the time and you're stressed and you're worried about, you know, your kids. I have three kids. They're you know, almost 12, almost 14 and 22. They all have their own things. Um, it's, it's not easy. Um, I know people often say, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, I don't know either. I just do it. <laughs> I'm rooted in entrepreneurship. I think, you know, I had my first business card at 12. I sold flowers that anyone could have picked off the side of the road. And, you know, I just did it. I made crafts. I, I love entrepreneurship. So when I got into design, I could be creative and a business, but mm. it's, it's difficult. And there's going to be those stigmas. And with my other business, we often had sorry to the male population, a lot of white male clients that were higher up the totem and, oh, sorry, not the totem, that's the wrong thing, that's up the ladders. Um, it was a boys club, but we proved them wrong and I wouldn't let them get to me, but it takes a lot of confidence to do that. And some days I'd be in tears and some days I still am because it's not easy, but I can't imagine doing a job that's not purposeful about creating a positive impact. So I will continue to push in however capacity that I have, but uh, kudos to every female I'm woman entrepreneur out there, especially those that are moms, because it's, it's difficult. I agree mm -hmm. with you. Um, I think that that, are, that is really important. When my daughter was ill, she was ill for seven years and I had to put my world on a back burner because my world was taking care of her. And I also have a son who has the same disease that I have. So it was very different. It was tough to, to, to see him diagnosed, you know, no matter whether something's genetic, you still blame yourself. Of course. They, oh, they, you know, you blame yourself. Yeah. Uh, you gave it to yeah. him. And, I did that. you know, it's, it's just, I think that you said it really well, Jolene. We just do it. We just do it. Yeah. And we don't think about it. We just do it. It has so to be we melt into a puddle at the end of a Friday. And we melt into a puddle. We absolutely do, but we don't. You know what? But we don't. But as entrepreneurs, we can't do that because there's work on Saturday and maybe some on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, no, Pam. I'm I need to very relate smart, to you. and I am. I am really giving myself a weekend. Good, good for you. I, I get forced into it periodically, and the, with me, and I and I hear this passion with all all of us here. Um, Sometimes my work is the thing that's for me, you know, it's when I when I'm able to succeed and have things come together, because it's such a passion in my life and something I care so much about, it becomes something I did for myself, you know, so I know that it's not supposed to the rules are not supposed it's to be that way. Massage, I should take Adrian. a break. It is not a massage <laughs> and it is not a facial. <laughs> Uh, okay, last question, folks, and I've totally enjoyed this conversation. Pretend you're a genie. Uh, have, we have a genie here, and there's three wishes. You each get one. Uh, what would you want changed? Uh, and for the sake of time, let's try and keep it, you know, just short answers. But what would you want changed in this world for folks with disabilities? With your one wish, what would you wish for? 
Jolene. Oh, well, whoever, whoever's ready. Just equity that people don't think you're different and they assume that you can do everything just maybe a little bit differently. Do you know what I mean? Like just equity, I think is the big word for me. Okay. Pam. Acceptance is the word for me. Okay. I think that people Michelle. just don't, oh. I'm sorry. Never mind. One word's good. good. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> so everything that everybody else said, but I'll just add, um, comfort with disclosure, because I think so many people don't disclose, they're afraid of the outcome of disclosing. So that's always the one for me. I that, think that's that brilliant. Really, that's really, really mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, I had, uh, we recorded a podcast yesterday with Jade Pichette from Pride at Work Canada, and they have such great things to say. Uh, and so th- I asked this question, and their answer was universal basic income. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Because many times we have answers that are uh, less tangible. And in that, that was like, you know, here's a tangible thing that can be done to support. And so the question wasn't specifically uh, for folks with disabilities, uh, although Jade lives with a disability and, and you know, works in support of uh, folks with disabilities. They also work with Pride at Work Canada. So it's, it's that larger group. Uh, and so that was their answer, which I just thought was amazing. Thank you all so much for being here. I know we had a little struggle technologically to get going, but uh, you know what? We persevered as women do, as entrepreneurs do, uh, as folks with disabilities do. So I I really appreciate you all being here and taking the time and saying wonderful things about IWSCC. I, I, I appreciate that too. Um, yeah. Does anyone have anything they want to say last, last words? I want to thank, thank you because I think that the work that you're doing, you, the work that you and your team are doing. Um, I am uh, certified with We Connect and with We Be Canada. And the work that I'm getting, the, the support that I'm getting through IWSCC is is superior. So I think that you've got a really great team and I think they have we a do. really great yeah. leader. We we have a fantastic team. We get we're small and lean, uh, but we're Did wiry you hear my last and- <laughs> line? Did you hear my last line? What was it? Oh the- <laughs> I did. And a great leader. Oh, Thank okay. you, Pam. I will take that. In the interest of following my own advice, I will take that. Jolene or Michelle, anything last you want to say? Just thank you again. And, and just wonderful to meet all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. All right. I, I just want to add one more thing. If there's anyone out there that is thinking about IWCC, do it because it's worth oh, every oh, penny. Absolutely. So go become a diverse supplier. Thank you. Thank and then you. Thank you. Thank you. Might I'm meet gonna... three remarkable women who have great Exactly. Consumers. Exactly. So, Jolene, you know that's going to be a clip now, right? That's one of the. All right. Thank you, everyone, again, for joining us today. Uh, For more information about supplier diversity and inclusion, you can visit our website at uh, iwscc.ca. You can find us, our podcasts on YouTube. Listen in on your favorite podcast platform. We have so many cool and exciting things coming up in the next few months, so you'll want to follow us on social media as well. Thanks again to Pod Supply for producing our our, um, podcast, Maple Communications for uh, doing our ASL, and again to RBC for being our ASL uh, 2023 uh, leader for the year. And thanks to everyone for being here. We'll see you next time.